Good morning, listeners, and welcome to 4x4 Off-Road with Vili Pretorius and me, T, and we hope you'll enjoy today's chat. Hi, Vili. Welcome back. Morning, T. Yeah, nice being here again. Uh, let's kick off today with just firstly a brief summary of how far we've come, and uh, and I'm actually impressed by how much you've retained over this period <laughs> as well, which is good. So we've started off with explaining the 4x4 systems and how they actually work from the mechanical side as well as the electronic side. We've also explained how to choose your route where you drive. Um, and we've covered tire pressures, which in my opinion is the most important part of off-roading. And then we've also covered your vehicle checks that you need to do before you start driving. Uh, one thing which is also often of overlooked is then the next step of what you need to be introduced to. So you've now, you're now confident, you, you've got a, a little bit of experience in going off-road, but what, what's inevitably going to happen is that you're gonna get stuck at some stage. Yes. So now the next step is how do you get unstuck? So let's ask you that question first in terms of if you had to just go, not a serious getting stuck situation, but what, what would you do? Well, luckily, I've now been privy to your chats over the last couple of weeks. And obviously, I've, I've gone to look at some videos and things. So okay, clearly, <laughs> <laughs> clearly, you shouldn't find yourself alone on a track. So obviously you're going to need a team around you that can, you know, sort of get out of the vehicle and assess the terrain and and where you're stuck. Um, and while while you're stuck, I think one of the things that you said is you've got to sort of keep the keep the systems going. Okay. Yeah, uh, not, no, that's... not not lose traction and and things like that. But I think it'll depend very much on your terrain. Yes, so that's actually before you get stuck, you need to try and use the systems to get through the obstacle. Mm. But now you say theoretically are completely stuck. Your vehicle can't, even with the help of a diff lock or whatever the case may be, get out of that situation. Um, the first thing to remember is to not try and get stuck too deeply. Mm. So if you feel that the vehicle is now stuck and there's no other option, rather stop and assess the situation first. And you're perfectly right, it's always a good idea to try and go in a group or at least with more than one vehicle so that one another vehicle can assist you. But I always say to people, it's not always gonna be the case because you do get a situation where you're stuck alone. And in my um, recovery kit, basically, my first line of defense is just a little fold-up spade and a roll of empty sandbags. Oh yes, the I remember sandbags. you mentioned that before. Yeah, mm. you can get that from your local hardware store, just a couple of empty sandbags. And what you use those for is, you just fill them with sand or anything that you you have on, this, on the site. You can use your jack to jack up the vehicle a little bit and then put the sandbags underneath the wheels. And that'll actually lift your vehicle out of the obstacle that it's stuck in. And in most cases, you'll be able to drive your vehicle out. 
So that's in a, in a situation where you're alone or when you, for instance, if you had to pull that vehicle forward or backwards, you would incur damage on the vehicle. You would rather pack sandbags or pack rocks under the wheels, that kind of thing, to try and get yourself I was actually going to ask about the rocks. If you're in a terrain where there isn't sand or the sand is so hard that you actually can't, you know, fill full sandbags, but you've, maybe there are fine pebbles lying around. Yeah, you can if put anything into the sandbag. Even mm, if you put bigger yeah. rocks into the sandbag, what, mm. what the sandbag does is it holds it all it, together. It contains it, yeah. So they don't, when you, when you just pack loose rocks under the wheels... They're just going to fly. They're going to fly yeah. out and uh, not, not assist that much. But the sandbag helps to hold things together. And you can pack multiple sandbags as well if you need to. So that's, that's your first line of defense when you're really on your own. Uh, but then also, if you have different vehicles available, make sure that you have the right equipment with you. And I think Carrie and myself ca- covered it in a previous session a little bit, but it's important for you to make sure that your equipment that you use is properly rated. And maybe we can just remind the listeners that they can go to our www.chatsapphire.co.za website and look at the 4x4 off-road playlist and just scroll down to the podcast episode that says recovery kits and actually re-listen to your chat. Yes, uh, we've, we, we cover that in quite a, quite a bit, but uh, today I just want to cover the beginner section sort of. Mm. Uh, the one thing to remember is you have to buy the properly rated 4x4 equipment and not just anything from your local uh, spares store. Um, That equipment that you buy from the spares store is good enough for when you want to tow a vehicle on the road, etc. But once you start having your vehicle in a stuck situation, the forces that you're putting on that equipment are increased exponentially. Um, For instance, if you've got your vehicle just stuck up to tire depth, you actually are pulling the whole weight of the vehicle. So if your vehicle is, for instance, two and a half tons, then you're pulling two and a half tons. Correct. Once your vehicle is stuck up to wheel depth, now that force that you put on the recovery equipment actually doubles, and you're looking at five tons worth of force that you're putting on it. And if you're stuck right up to your chassis, you go triple the weight of your vehicle which is about seven and a half tons. Now, in the 4x4 world or in the overlanding arena, etc., you always have to compromise between having a lot of equipment but also the weight that you can carry and the space that you have in your vehicle. So we try and pick a set of equipment that will be applicable in most situations but not necessarily the, the biggest equipment. Um, I would I would usually say, say to people get a if you look at a 14 ton toe strap now for straps and ropes or any material type of equipment there's a safety factor of four built in so if you look at a brake strength of 14 tons you can divide that by four to get your workload limit now just to explain that a little bit more, the difference between brake strength and workload limit. If you have a piece of equipment, 
how do they det- how do you think they determine the braking strength of that equipment if you send it to SABS for instance I would imagine that they put it under some sort of a stress test uh, repetitively yes so they take a multiple um, say a hundred straps and they would test each strap and the minimum weight required to break one of those straps would be the the rating of that range of equipment mm. So for a 14-ton brake strength strap, if you put 14 tons on it, it is going to break, most likely. I see. Um, but then, even if you put 7 tons on it, which is half, you are still going to weaken that strap. Yes. Now you need to get to a weight that you can put on the strap every day without impacting the integrity of the strap or the piece of equipment. And that's where your workload limit comes in. All right. So what they do is they take that brake strength and they put in a safety factor of four for straps and and material rope type equipment. And that then becomes a three and a half ton workload limit. So you can safely put up to three and a half tons of load on it every day without impacting the strength of your equipment. Now, in our previous example, we said, okay, now you have your vehicle stuck up to the wheel depth, which is your, or your tire depth, which is your first one, the full weight of the vehicle at two and a half tons. Yes, your strap you can pull out uh, multiple times. But now when your vehicle's stuck up to wheel depth, which is double the now weight. you're at five tons. Now you're at five tons. You are exceeding your workload, your workload limit yeah. on your equipment. But a five-ton workload limit strap is a 20-ton brake strength strap, and that's quite a big piece of equipment. And similarly, if you stuck up to chassis depth, you're now putting seven and a half tons of stress on your equipment. But a seven and a half ton workload limit times four. Yeah, it's thirty. Is over 30 tons. Mm. So then a 30 ton work, uh, uh, brake string strap is quite a, a massive piece of strap that you can't really practically carry with you in most 4x4s. So we always have to compromise in terms of what will do the job for all three situations. You can use it normally for getting unstuck quickly if it's not a serious getting unstuck. But then if you know you have to put five tons or seven and a half tons of force on this 14-ton strap, then it'll do the job, but you know it'll have weakened the strap, so you might have to replace it afterwards. But it'll get you out of trouble. So that's why we say we recommend in the region of a 14-ton toe strap. I understand. So you you know that this is going to be sufficient for this particular trip if I use it. I might have compromised it, and I'm going to have to make peace with replacing it. Yeah, that's uh, that's important to know um, for you, even before you start going into the 4x4 uh, arena, is to say, have the correct equipment with you. What sort of cost are we looking at in terms of these straps? Well, um, we sell recovery kits. Um, we're looking at about 1,750 rand for a full recovery kit. That includes one toe strap it's 14 tons one snatch strap which we'll get into now 
which is an eight-ton snatch strap. Um, and it also includes two three-and-a-quarter-ton workload limit shackles. That's to attach it to the vehicle. And then there's a set of glo- gloves, and it's all in a nice carry bag. Mm. The carry bag itself has is, is got holes in so it can aerate. Even if your equipment is wet, you can still put it in there. Um, because the last thing you want to do with a wet strap, for instance, is put it away and cover it up. Yes. As soon as that strap gets mauled, then it becomes unusable mm. in future. and It'll degrade very quickly. Okay, so now to move on to the snatch strap. So... W- do you know? Do you have any experience no, with snatch strap? I've got it's no also called a kinetic strap, and what that does is, you've got the two different scenarios. So a normal toe strap, you would use under most circumstances, um, and the way to use it is to tighten tighten yeah. the tension on the strap before starting to pull, so that that strap is nice and tight before actually pulling the other vehicle out. But if you were for instance, with the vehicle that's doing the pulling, if that vehicle didn't have any traction, or like in mud or sand, as soon as it starts pulling away, it'll just dig in and it'll get stuck. So in that case, you can use a snatch strap mm-hmm. where you will then have to reverse a little bit. You start with, a, with, a, with some slack in, and then you can pull away with speed in the vehicle that's doing the pulling so it doesn't get stuck that snatch strap will then stretch and that kinetic energy stored in the strap is what actually gets that vehicle out now the reason why we only have a eight ton snatch strap in our kits is the bigger the snatch strap the more difficult it is to stretch it so if you've got a 14 ton snatch strap for instance you will need like a three and a half ton vehicle just to stretch that strap. Which isn't necessarily going to be the case. Yes. And that means that if that strap can't stretch, then it's almost like having a solid strap. And now you are snatching with a solid strap, if you understand the concept. And then you're going to rip things off the other vehicle. Correct. So you rather have a weaker snatch strap that's easily stretchable. Mm. The key is to remember to not use that when the fr- vehicle that's doing the pulling, the front vehicle or the back, or whichever way you're doing recovery, mm. when that vehicle has enough grip, don't use the snatch don't strap. Don't use Because then you're going to overstretch mm. that strap. That strap is only designed to stretch one and a half times its length, and it's usually about a nine-meter strap. So once it stretches one and a half times its length, that vehicle that's doing the pulling should not be able to go further because then you're going to break the strap. The other thing to remember with a kinetic or a snatch strap is you can only use it once in in a short period of time because it does take some time to recover and stretch or release back to its original length. So a lot of people make the mistakes, and you'll see that online as well, where they use it multiple times in a row. And by the third time, that is not stretching anymore. In one recovery in attempt. In one recovery attempt. I see. So, so you've you, got to know what you do you've got to know if you what decide you're doing. to use the, strat, the snatch strap. Yes. 
Um, we also offer practical recovery courses mm. as part of our training program, but that's that's where you actually learn to use all of your equipment mm. in a practical way. We get you stuck and you get unstuck. But that's more or less the first two things that's in our kit. The other things that are your your shackles. So the thing to know with metal recovery equipment, because metal is also uh, um, subject to metal fatigue, mm-hmm. they've put a bit of a bigger safety factor into all of your metal. Um, so metal's got a safety factor of five instead of the four that's in straps and your ropes. So the safety factor of five is just to give you a little bit more of a safety factor. So if you've got a three and a quarter ton workload limit shackle, the brake strength on that is 16,250 kgs, which is a a little bit bigger than the three and a half ton strap. But that's just because you've got a bigger safety factor in your metal. But in most metal... um, they actually give you the workload limit instead of the brake strength. Whereas in straps, they'll give you the brake strength and you have to work out the workload limit. It becomes a little bit complicated, but most But once of the you know the factor, you can just work it out yourself. Yes. Or if you've got properly rated recovery equipment, then that'll usually have a rating mm-hmm. on it. If, you co- if it doesn't have a tag with the rating on, you can't know what the rating of that piece of equipment is. So it's just as important as when you're recovering somebody. When you're being recovered, it's important to check that the right equipment is being used. So, Billy, in all of this, obviously my question is, how do you know, where where do you attach things? You know, where where are the safe points? I don't want to put a strap over a bumper and, oops, you know, off the, the it flies off. And yeah, that's exactly correct, yeah. So we also, as part of our introductory training course we practically take people through their vehicles to see where to attach and what is this the points to attach your your recovery equipment to but it's just in 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 brief you have to before actually getting into the situation identify the correct recovery points on your vehicle Um, it's always a good idea so for instance you can imagine if you're stuck in mud now you can't see the recovery point at the bottom, but you'll have to know where to feel for it. And if you've never, if you've never been under your vehicle to see where it is, it's then, gonna take then you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a good idea to check your vehicle in the front. Most vehicles have at least one hook or loop that it's con- that you can connect to. Um, just be careful. There's a difference. There's usually a recovery point and a tie-down point on the other side. The two are differentiated between the the recovery point is usually a thick round bar, whereas the tie-down point, which is only really designed to tie your vehicle down when it's being transported, is just a thin piece of metal. I see. That that has a loop or a hole in, but it's a thin piece that goes straight down. So it's important to identify the difference between the two. Um, also in the rear a lot of the times when people fit tow bars Mm -hmm. that actually they remove the recovery points that come standard with your vehicle in order to fit the tow bar so you've got to watch out for that and then make sure that your, your tow bar system that you fit on your vehicle 
has its own little recovery points where you can fit a shackle in to recover it. So you get different tow bar systems. Yes, and you, you get a whole yeah. lot of different ones. Some of these low-profile ones that are detachable actually doesn't have any recovery points in. Do you think some drivers think they can just use the tow bar? You get that a lot, and that's part of the problem. Um, the tow bar, tow bar is not designed for recovering your vehicle. It's like a towing strap in on the road. It can tow something that's correct. Uh, so it's designed to tow a a caravan or a trailer on the not road. Not an obstacle. Yeah. Um, and people say, "Oh, but can tow three and a half tons?" That three and a half tons is not the full force that's exerted on that tow ball. That tow ball is carrying weight downwards. And in terms of the rolling forward resistance, Mm. if you you take, for instance, if you've got a three and a half ton trailer on the road, the force needed to move it forward is only 10% of the weight. Correct. On a a flat surface. And it will increase a little bit when you go uphill and decrease when you go downhill. But that force is only 10% of the weight, so it's about 350 kgs of force laterally that you're putting on your tow ball. Exactly. But now if your vehicle is stuck up to the chassis, you're going to put 7.5 tons of force on that tow ball in a horizontal direction. And what about the the sheer sort of the bolts onto the body of the... Can that also shear off or not really? It, it's good to know what bolts you are being used because there you get high-tension bolts and normal steel bolts. The high-tension steel is obviously more resistant to, to breaking. But the other thing to remember with your tow ball is it's not mild steel. Mm-hmm. It's cast iron. Now, the big difference is, is mild, mild steel, yes. So mild steel bends before it breaks. It is also stronger than just normal cast iron. But cast iron will give you no indication of it going to break, and it'll just shear off mm. and go shooting. And I, I wouldn't want people to go and check on the internet, but the videos are available of evidence of these tow balls going and going through it's a, a vehicle. It's a cannonball. Yeah, so it becomes mm. a really deadly projectile, and mm. I would recommend people not to do it at all. Mm. Even if somebody is helping you, and they're just throwing the rope over the tow ball, please don't, because somebody will get killed at some stage. Sure. The forces involved are just too much. So make sure you identify your proper recovery points so you know where to attach your And your make vehicle. sure you get a tow bar system with a recovery point attached. Correct. Built in. If, if you have your tow ball done. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of people get it done by the dealerships, but make sure with the dealer before you get it fitted, that it's the correct one for your purposes. Um, The other thing is you can, there is a way to judge the strength of your recovery points. Just I'm just going to deal with it briefly. We do it more in depth in our practical recovery course Mm -hmm. and also in our more advanced 4x4 courses. But you can assume for mild steel, mild steel has a workload limit of 8 kilograms per square millimeter so if you if you take a one centimeter by one centimeter thick piece of mild steel that's 10 millimeters by 10 millimeters which which gives you 100 
square millimeters. Mm -hmm. You times that by eight, it gives you an 800 kilogram workload limit. So, and if you've got a hook, it only needs to break at one point, so that's 800 k kgs. But if it's a closed loop, it needs to break in two points, two points yeah. for it to fail. So you can actually double that to 1.6 tons of workload limit on a one centimeter by one centimeter square uh, piece of mild steel. So that'll give you 1.6 tons, and if you then spread the load between the two points, that'll give you up to 3.2 tons in terms of getting your your workload limit for recovery points. Um, so, But most vehicles will have their recovery points at least rated for the full weight of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's how the factory recovery points are usually designed to give you the full rate, weight of the vehicle as a workload limit. And that means your brake strength is much higher than that. But and, what, and what is that factor? We've got the four on the straps and the five on the shackle. The five is for all metal. For all metal. All so right. it'll also count for the re recovery points. And so if you've got a 800 kilogram w workload limit, then that becomes a four ton brake strength. Mm. So you take 800 by five, which gives you a four ton. 4,000 kgs brake strength. Hmm. And then that, if it's if it's a closed loop, that doubles to 8,000 8, brake strength. Okay. But also, uh, in, in metal, especially with your recovery points, it's important not to exceed those workload limits because it's, they're not that as easy to replace as just a strap. Exactly. So you need to make sure that you know more or less what that workload limit is so you never exceed it. Because you're not, not going to replace it. But if you exceed that workload limit, you are going to weaken that point. And metal, like we said, like we said before, has some fatigue that, that carries over, over age as well. So the more you use it, the more it's going to get fatigued with, with time. Makes sense. Okay, that more or less covers recovery equipment in a nutshell. There's a lot more of recovery equipment. I'm sure Gary and I will cover at a later stage different, more different types of recovery equipment. Um, and we look forward to covering that with you sometime soon. Sure. I just have one more question. You mentioned sure. just now that um, you, know, you can have two attachment points. So is that just at the rear of the vehicle or do they normally have something on the front as well that you can is it better to sort of work in a in a y shape and well, that's how a do very the straps look so so you you actually get it's called a bridle mm -hmm. that you tie between the two points and then you put your other strap through mm -hmm. or you that's bridle through your other strap so you spread the load between two points and that actually halves the force exactly. on the equipment yeah. that, you be, that you're using. So do um, the vehicles have normally two recovery some points? Some vehicles have, but uh, once again, like I said before, it's, it's good to understand that sometimes the one is only a tie-down point mm. and not a proper recovery point. So then you can't spread it between the no, two. No, you can't. But um, I'm specifically referring but there now are to some vehicles, recovery points. There are some vehicles that have got two recovery points and some vehicles don't. So it's good, good 
thing to know before. Yeah, and is it something that you can retrofit, or has, does it have to be part of the sort of integrity no, can, of the? You can always get get with a proper installer, get somebody to to fit a proper recovery point for you, and a lot of the aftermarket bumpers that you fit to your vehicle um, have got recovery points because that's the purpose of the bump of the having the bumper is to get proper recovery points on it places for you to fit your high lift jack to jack your vehicle up and all sorts of other attachments that you can use so that would definitely be something to consider yes there's no such thing as over engineering <laughs> correct <laughs> excellent Billy. thank you so much for today it's been very interesting at least we know we're not going to get stuck in the mud well, or if you are, you know <laughs> well, how to get out. we know out. how to get out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, great. You guys have a good week. We'll speak Same next there. week. Cheers. Bye.